The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to a Tuesdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr, as we inch closer to the spring game. Excited to spend some time with you today. We are loaded up. Mitch Sherman will be with us here in about 20 minutes from The Athletic. We will say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. Rick was on site uh, watching uh, Kate Smith do her thing at uh, Big Ten Golf over the weekend. So we'll spend some time talking draft and spring ball with Rick Pizzo, also some uh, Husker golf. And uh, yes, it is Tuesday. That means Rick Kaczynski, Kaz, going to be by to talk some ball. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Damon Barr is in, two R's, when you follow him on Twitter, at Damon Barr, at Schmidt underscore radio for me. can email Chris at Varsity. Dot com. Some draft thoughts, some quarterback discussion with uh, Nebraska's backups. We'll get to that in a moment. Who's maybe not visiting uh, when it comes to uh, the, the spring game with that 2022 quarterback uh, list Nebraska's in on. So we'll get all of that. Your chance this hour, your chance next hour to get qualified uh, for the the just incredible spring Goodies and, and what am I telling you about? You, you heard the sounder yesterday. Can you fire that sounder up for me, uh, Damon? You know what I'm talking about. Is that a no? Is that a yes? The Memorial Day kickoff contest should say grill or something cool like that. No, you're not seeing it. I will do my best to find this. Well, what I'm, yeah, I, what I'm telling you is this, and it is grilling season. We've got a cue to call this hour. We've got a cue to call next hour, and that gets you qualified when you're caller nine to your chance to enter in and win a Weber gas grill from Capital Patio, a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocers, a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Centers to spruce up that grilling area. So this is it. Don't call now. Again, the joke is it's Schmidt's wife throwing a toaster that's plugged in to his bathtub so I can go out Jim Morrison style. That's not it. But the birds do sound lovely. So your chance, grill, gift card to Campbell's, gift card to Leon's and get your meat sweats on. So that is happening this hour to qualify. It's happening next hour. To qualify, where's Nebraska at in their search for quarterbacks for the 2022 uh, class? Um, 
Well, Richard Torres was a, a guy that Nebraska has been in on early. They like what he can do. Big drink of water at 6'5". And uh, Torres is a guy that's really kind of been picking up some steam, picking up some momentum uh, from a number of programs, right? So what's uh, Nebraska at right now with Torres? And it sounds like Torres is going to be a guy that will still visit on June 4th for Nebraska, okay? That is good, okay? Okay. the, the the bad news is is it doesn't sound like, and we'll confirm this here with Greg Smith, that Torres is a guy that'll be here on his own dime for the spring game on Saturday, May 1st. So it sounds like Torres is kind of wavering right now on whether or not he'll be here uh, for the spring game on Saturday, but you get him here the 4th, that's big time. Uh, you know, Nebraska is... Uh, really searching with three pretty high-level prospects at quarterback, okay? Uh, They're looking at it 2022. Uh, Morris is going to be here. He's a kid out of Atlanta. He is uh, pretty nice. Uh, The thing that you're wondering, though, is is A&M going to come in and and be all over Torres because they've they've seen some some wow factor in him with some seven on seven, keeping with the quarterback theme. Uh, okay, what's more important to you as a Nebraska fan Saturday? Is it what you see from Adrian Martinez, or is it what you see from the backups behind Adrian Martinez at quarterback? Ponder that for a second, 466-3776. And to me, it, it's the backups. Uh, I, I think it's important for Adrian Martinez to perform well. I think it's nice to, it would be nice to see Adrian hit a deep shot. I don't know that he's going to be doing that against the top defense. Don't care. Just see Adrian find Omar or, or find uh, uh, Allen up, up the seam. Great. Just, just uncork one dude and, and hit it in the air like your your first touchdown pass to Spielman against Colorado as a freshman, right? There's been a lot of wow moments for Adrian. I know what he can do, and I'm God bless him to be healthy if you're a Nebraska fan, what he can do healthy and looking like he looks now going into fall. So Adrian needs to, to be crisp. There, there can't be any oops, interceptions, or fumbles in a spring game. God forbid. But I'm really interested here in, you know, what type of of day Smothers has and what type of day Harburg has, just because it's it's a little bit different of a stage for those guys in front of forty plus thousand. Now we'll see if that number jumps because of the weather, because of restrictions loosening. We'll see if that number dials up to to seventy five percent or not. Uh, still plenty of time between now and, and Saturday for uh, uh, an extension or better word is expansion. But with Smothers here, um, there is some concern. Where's he at? Uh, what's his uh, progression been like? And I, and I say this in defense of Smothers. A, you need a lot of traits in your quarterback, but uh, along with decision-making, you need toughness, and Nebraska has nailed that. Uh, they, they've got a, a tough dude at quarterback and Smothers. 
Now, when it comes to decision-making, that comes with reps, that comes with comfort, that comes with time. And, and that's one thing that is different in a guy like Smothers when you compare it to the, the buzz you had a, 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 a year ago with McCaffrey, all right, or the, the last spring game we got to have with McCaffrey. <laughs> not last year. And what Smothers has not had due to COVID, due to injury, is the amount of, of reps. Now, he's had good reps this year, but didn't have that last year. Just did. Probably had some scouts, scout team stuff, but that wasn't necessarily Nebraska's offense. All right. And there are things he can do in Nebraska's offense that you can kind of tailor to his strengths, to what he's getting better at, to what you're comfortable with, and vice versa. What's he good at doing? And, and he'll communicate that with Super Mario and, and Frost and company. You look at the upside in a guy like Harburg that came from a smaller school but has been dynamite and has uh, transported that athleticism, that skill set, and uh, that, that winner mentality to this stage at Nebraska through the spring. And both guys are young. Both guys are continuing to kind of get sharper, and reps will do that. I'm anxious to see Smothers do his thing, do some RPO, use his legs when guys actually have to tackle him and not tag him and and get more comfortable and more accurate throwing the ball because there's been some progress we've heard from the coaching staff. When it comes to Harburg, continue to grasp uh, different elements. Let, let them put more on your plate for you to go execute because I think you got a really uh, a big-time arm and talent in Harburg, right? I mean, they, they nailed that get. It helps that he was in Nebraska. So all of this to say if, if Harburg or Smothers doesn't do it for you or doesn't do it for the coaches in the short term to go shopping in the portal, you don't want to run off anybody. But you need to understand. I would hope these quarterbacks, as young as they are, and I know, I know Smothers has been here a while, they need to understand that uh, just because they, they may go get a, a serviceable backup for Adrian – doesn't mean they're writing you off. And I know there's always kids coming in. We're talking about Morris. We're talking about Torres. We're talking about the kid from Louisiana for 2023. There's always somebody that's being recruited to take your job. And if if the coaches deem you not ready or there's not trust based on spring where they need to go find a, a grad transfer in the portal, that's just insurance on Adrian. And from a bigger picture standpoint, they are not ready to put you in a position to fail or rock your confidence if you got to get shoved into a game. Now, let's talk about the other side of the coin here. You had a, a situation back in 2018 where you had Adrian Martinez, true freshman, didn't play his senior year, comes in, and he fought and won the job against a kid that had already been here for a while. But you had the coaching transition, and you saw how Adrian kind of rose to the event, rose to the moment in that spring game. We were all pretty wowed by him, and he had a really good freshman season. So the the backup situation is different. You didn't really have a backup that was ultra serviceable because they all got out of Dodge for Adrian. This is different because 
with Adrian, you, you had that McCaffrey factor. You no longer had that. You don't have a backup that you did win a game with last year. You won three games last year. Uh, McCaffrey started the Penn State game and won it. Okay, So a third of your wins came by your backup quarterback last year. With Nebraska, they there's just some, at least from the fan base, there's some nervousness about the backup situation. A, because you're worried about Adrian staying healthy. Uh, B, you don't have a guy that's had as much work and as much time as a guy like Mac did, right? Didn't have COVID, didn't have an injury. He got to work and continue to progress. If push comes to shove, You've got some urgency. You want to win games. You want to get to the postseason. And if you don't have your starting quarterback or your top dog in Adrian, uh, good luck and God bless. I don't know how many games you'll win. I don't know what you can do with your offense, uh, assuming the O-line and the, you find a couple, three running backs. Maybe it can still get pulled off. And you have, an, you have a remarkable coaching job by Frost. But there's that, that scenario that you really got to ask yourself as a coach. All right, do we bring a guy in? after spring that fits, that knows you're not the guy until you're the guy? Or do we just let a Harburg or Smothers go at it and kind of trial by fire? It's been rough. I mean, think about situations with Nebraska football. Uh, You had Crouch come in as a redshirt freshman when Newcomb got knocked out. You had Monte uh, Cristo as well rotate in that 98 season. You didn't have a guy like Mike Grant lose his job to Tommy Frazier due to injury. Tommy came in, did his thing. Nebraska was on a whole different level running the option in 92. That those are That's a Heisman winner that took a team to the national championship. That's a should-have-been Heisman winner that uh, played in three straight national championship games. Okay? <laughs> so, a little different area. I think if you're Nebraska, as you stand pat and you give your dudes a bunch of things to work on, you accentuate the positive at quarterback behind Adrian, and then you, you keep prayer every night to make sure Adrian does not get hurt. You bring bubble wrap. You keep him all good um, for this upcoming season. I would not venture into the portal yet. I'd work with what I got. And you can throw the old Joe Burrow at me. Totally get it. I don't think there's a Joe Burrow out there. NFL draft. What are you hearing? What are you seeing about uh, Nebraska's prospects? I think we're all right there with saying, yeah, Hymas is going to go. Is it round three? Is it round four? Is it round five? Is it beyond? Doing some uh, some latest looks here with Todd McShay. Uh, you have Hymas comes in as the 20th ranked offensive tackle. 20 out of 30. Uh, Jack Stoll comes in as the 20th ranked tight end uh in the latest mock is we're just you know hours here 48 hours from the nfl draft do not see farniak listed do not see boodle listed i think boodle will go i'm thinking boodle will be a seventh round guy and i think boodle's a guy that can make a practice squad at worst or wow some folks not only because of his speed but i like boodle's physicality that's what i think sets him apart from some other late-round guys. I like how DiCaprio Boodle is not only fast, but he's fearless. Uh, Stoll, coming back from that knee, is a guy that I think can do some nice things. Good hands, really able to separate. If you look at his career at Nebraska, he was one of the guys in some, some potentially murky years that was able to get open. And he had the trust of his quarterbacks. And with Hymas, 
I mean, Hymas has got the pedigree of Lake Travis kid, high level of football down there, high level recruit, comes in, starts immediately, is right there, tied for the most career starts, I think at 40, right? Is it 40, 41, something like that. Don't like the opt-out, totally his call. He wasn't alone in that with not being a big fan of playing in a potential bowl game, so that's not all on him. But I like Hymas's uh, versatility. Was an iron man at left tackle for you. Did not get beat very often, if at all. Didn't get nailed for penalties that often either. And uh, with Hymas, you see this too. You see guys that, okay, maybe some dude that screams at me off the edge is too fast. Are you athletic and tough enough to play guard? That's always an option as well. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity. We'll dive in. Some spring ball thoughts, maybe a little Husker baseball. And uh, Mitch Sherman, I I bet you money, is wearing his Bo Jackson jersey with his first place Royals doing their thing. Mitch Sherman's next Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Great to have you. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, you just tweeted out. I just saw the email as well. Nebraska having a groundbreaking ceremony Friday for the North Stadium expansion product. Uh, product project but yeah it'll help uh, that product of Nebraska athletics how big is this to you man well it needed to get to this point uh, if they're going to build it they've got to put shovels in the ground it'll be interesting to hear if if this is a, a ceremonial uh, type of event well it is a ceremonial type of event but um, if it uh, if it signals that construction is full steam ahead and we're going to see uh, a big hole in the ground and, and a structure coming out of it here as as soon as this summer or if they've still got fundraising to do. I, I talked to Bill Moose several months ago about the possibility of coinciding a groundbreaking with the spring game, and here we are one day before the spring game, and we're getting a, a groundbreaking. So um, the question uh, as it always is, is is where are they at with the money? And it's uh, you know it's still a hundred and fifty five, hundred and sixty million dollar endeavor that is going to uproot the outdoor track and move that uh, over to the um, innovation campus area by the Devaney Center, and um, and then a giant facility will will appear over a two year period. I, I think that uh, the schedule. Is, is there. It's laid out for this thing to be open in 2023. It was, of course, 2022 before uh, 12 months ago, 13 months ago when the, when the pandemic hit and that pushed everything back. But uh, here we are and definitely a good sign that they are ready and feel comfortable to, to do the groundbreaking uh, here the week of the spring day. Mitch Sherman's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, what's your take on on the facility side of things with Nebraska? I grew up going to games, and I remember when West Balcony was just West Balcony, and we had to kind of army crawl through. Uh, it wasn't a cubby hole, but it felt like one to get to our seats, right? And then uh, things got uh, got new age. You had the, the tunnel walk 
screens. You had the expansion of the press box on the West Stadium, obviously, and then you had the indoor practice facility, and that's been over, you know, the last 25 years or so, or almost 30 years for the for the Husker Vision screens. But as you look at Nebraska's setup now to other places, how far behind do you think Nebraska is, or is it is it that far behind when it comes to the facilities arms race uh, in college football? It's not. It's not all that far behind. Um, in fact, I wouldn't say it's behind at all. If you want to. Um, compare Nebraska to top 20 programs in the country. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them out there that have newer facilities than Nebraska and have some fancier bells and whistles than what Nebraska has uh, right now for its student-athletes. But I wouldn't walk through the faci- any of the facilities, Memorial Stadium or the Hawks Center, um, the, uh, the, the, um, the building that was constructed now close to 15 years ago, that houses the football complex and the weight room and, and the offices. I wouldn't walk through that at any point at any point and say, you know, this is this is substandard. It's it's all very good, but the point of of the new facility is to make it, you know, what is for Nebraska to 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 be able to say, this is the biggest and the best. And somebody will come along after that and build a bigger, more expensive one. But at least Nebraska can put itself back close to that that top um that that top echelon not that nebraska is all that far from it right now but it'll be different and this is also being built with the kind of roster that scott frost has in mind um you know of course this was something that was conceived right in the early days of the scott frost era when Nebraska, of course, thought it would be contending for championships or ready to contend for a, a Big Ten championship here by his fourth year, or certainly a, a division championship. So that part is not on track, but the but the facilities part um, is getting is getting back there. And if you have to get that before you can recruit the, the the kind of players to then put a championship team on the field then it's not the way that Nebraska planned to do it, but it's going to it's going to help their efforts um, in, in, in every way to build this program. It's going to help their efforts to um, to recruit the kind of players that they want. And don't um, underestimate the importance of the fact that there are a ton of recruits who are set to come to Lincoln this weekend. They can't have unofficial visits. They can't have official visits yet. They can't tour the facilities or hang out with the coaches or the players, but they can be there in the stadium on Saturday, and they can hear all the positivity in the news about what is being built uh, north of that stadium. Mitch Sherman's with us. Mitch, let's talk about Saturday and uh, some things that you're intrigued about. Uh, number one on that list is what? Is it quarterbacks? Is it receivers versus defensive backs? Is it just the the vibe, the feel that, hey, there's going to be 40,000-plus back home again at uh, 10th and Vine. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the biggest thing for me is having the stadium open to fans again and getting that, that, uh, that energy back in Memorial Stadium. Such a shock to the system a year ago when the season started at Ohio State and it was empty, and then we got to Lincoln in the, what, the fourth week of the year, and it was empty. Just, you know, it, 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 was, it was still a season – um, you know, still a, a, a viable champion 
Um, it's going to look the same in the history books with a Heisman Trophy winner and an All-America team and all of that. But anybody who lived through it lived through it knows it was not the same. And it'll, the, the, the big reason for that is because there just weren't people in the stand, at least not in the Big Ten. Um, suppose there's a different feel if you live through this thing in the SEC or the Big 12. Um, but even there, um, you're talking about much smaller crowds than what they're used to. And the crowds, the, the fans, are just such a huge part of the college uh, experience. I'd, I'd argue more so than they are in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So to have 35,000, 40,000 people back at Memorial Stadium, um, you know, I think it's going to be an emotional experience for coaches and, and players who, who have been through that and then missed it last year. And for the fans, too, to, uh, to be able to hear – uh, that noise and just just to be able to celebrate Nebraska football, even if it's for a uh, you know a, a toned down scrimmage, that is uh, I think a much bigger um, emphasis for Saturday than really anything that we're going to see on the field. When it comes to on the field, we were talking about the backup quarterback spot and, mm-hmm. and what you need to see from Harburg and in Smothers. And listen, there, this has been ongoing. It's not end all be all for Saturday, but it is going to be a a stage where there's fans and it's 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 as game like as you can you've experienced anyway, right? If you're Harburg mm-hmm. or Smothers, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's in reference to if Nebraska goes portal shopping or not for a quarterback uh, if they don't like where those two young pups are at. And, mm-hmm. and my take is this: I, I think in, in Smothers hasn't gotten the same type of development as other backup quarterbacks. Okay, so. I'd be hesitant to go out and get a quarterback in the portal. Let's see what Smothers can do Saturday. Let's see what Smothers can do uh, in the offseason. Same with Harburg. I know he's young, but, man, he's got some tools. And and you just hope you don't have to to turn to guys that may not be ready. I don't know. Where are you at with that that whole discussion point of the backups versus uh, a guy that can can maybe portal in and, and back up Adrian? And maybe you don't need him at all. Well, I'm, I'm kind of in a – I've kind of come to a, a hard stance on this thing now after watching the spring develop and watching mm-hmm. what's in the portal and what Nebraska would need to do if it was going to add a quarterback. I don't think it's viable to add a quarterback at this point unless one of those guys leaves. And, and Heinrich Harburg's not going anywhere. Adrian Martinez is not going anywhere. I don't imagine that Logan Smothers would unless you know he's got a, a, an uncomfortable feeling about the way that this spring went. You know, if he goes out there and he's the number four quarterback on, on Saturday, and I don't think that's going to be the case, but if he was, well, then, yeah, um, it's open season for transfers. You can go and you can be at another place uh, in August and, and competing, or even before August and competing. So, uh, but, but, but I don't think that's the direction that Nebraska's going. I, I think it's going to give Logan every opportunity to prove that he's the number two guy on Saturday because he is the older, more experienced quarterback. And if Heinrich Harburg ends up winning that job or if Matt Masker ends up winning that job, then it's because they played better and they showed um, that they've got more to offer as a backup to Adrian Martinez. But right now, to me, the most intriguing guy among all of the, all of the quarterbacks on the field Saturday is Logan Smothers because I think you know a little bit what you have with Harburg. Um, there's a ton of potential there. There's a big arm and there's time for him to grow in this system. You know what you have with the starter. Um, Masker is a solid guy who can help the younger quarterbacks, but he's not a long-term option as the starting quarterback in this system. Um, and I think everybody kind of understands mm-hmm. that. 
Um, Logan is the wild card. Is can he potentially be the replacement for Adrian when Adrian goes? Is is that out there for him? Can he be a solid number two who can step in and win you Big Ten games in 2021? This is his opportunity with people in the seats to go out and show that. And I know it's just one practice, and it's probably not the most important practice of the spring, um, but it's much more important for him than I think any other quarterback on the roster. And I don't think that um, Nebraska is going to be shopping in the portal. I don't think there's a guy who fits the profile of what they would need in the portal um, this spring unless one of these quarterbacks goes somewhere um, after the spring game. Uh, So – Give it to give it to Logan. Give him the ball. Give give Harburg the ball. Let him have opportunities. Um, it, I, I probably wouldn't play Adrian Martinez much at all on Saturday, and I'm sure that's disappointing to 35,000 people who were going to be there. Um, but it would be much more disappointing if he went out and and sustained an injury. So he's had his spring. Um, let him come out and run a series or so, if that, and then and and then put a headset on the guy and have him be a coach for the other two for the remaining uh, portion of that scrimmage. Mitch, I got 30 seconds. How many scholarship running backs do we see Saturday? Probably three or four. You know, I see Savion Morrison. Looks like he's been back at practice. Um, I don't know that the injury to Gabe Urban was was real serious. We're going to see Marvin Scott. Um, We are probably going to see Ronald Tompkins. um, Maybe Ramir Johnson. That would be five. Uh, You're not going to see Marquis Stepp. There's five available potentially. Um, I'm, I'm going to say we'll see three or four of them. Mm-hmm. And then Jacquez Yan as a walk-on. Um, there may be more eyes on him than there are in any, any of the scholarship guys. Yeah, it'll be good to see uh, Yant because uh, he's been one of the stories of the spring. Mitch, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for jumping on with us today. I appreciate your time, bud. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Mitch Sherman with us on Hale Varsity Radio. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter. That's where you find him. Coming up, Rick Pizzo, 20 minutes away. And then our Tuesday chat with Coach Kaczynski. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman, Rick Pizzo, Rick Kaczynski coming up. We've got a, a... Regional alert from Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball. Where does Nebraska fit in to that conversation? We'll tell you that in a moment. Your chance to qualify before 5 and in the 5 o'clock hour for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. John is on the line. John, thanks for listening. Go ahead. Welcome into Hale Varsity. Hey, Smitty. Great show. and A lot of good stuff coming up here. But, hey, I just wanted to t- – uh, kind of disagree with Mitch Sherman just a little bit on one point about the uh, building project that they're building. Mm-hmm. And I've had a chance to be in several uh, Big Ten, like the athletic department, student-athlete facilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, we are middle of the road at best in the Big Ten in terms of that. And all, I- all the stuff we have for the athletes, it's 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 great and it's good enough, but the problem is, is when we're competing for recruits against these schools, and we don't have a big city and we don't have mountains and we don't have a great lake. It's we when we were in our heyday, we had the best of everything, and so I think it is extremely important that they get that project built. 
and they don't cut any quarters. And I wish they could have started it last year, but I understand why they mm. didn't. John, let me but, let um, me jump in with you here for a second. You know, I, I look at it, you know, and I've not been to a bunch of different facilities. Uh, so go go with me on that. But I'll say this. Yep. Nebraska doesn't have the Lakeshore practice facility that, that, that right. Northwestern just put up. So that thing's awesome. It's I assume, awesome. I, yeah, it, it's incredible. But it took yep. them almost a century, right, to, to finally get that funding. And what, what did it take? Right. I mean, Fitz had to go go do what he did and 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 win some some Big 10 West divisions and he's done that. He's been right there and he's been competing. He's been right there. Now I look at Nebraska. Nebraska's winning more and then you couple it with a little bit more enthusiasm. I think this project's probably on its way a little bit sooner than than now. And I think Moose everywhere he's been, man, he has taken the facility game at at said university. You look at what he did at Washington State, uh, yep. hundred million dollar football facility. You look at the Oregon gig he did, and he had Uncle Phil's money there with that. I mean, Oregon kind of popped up right as he was there. You know, Oregon being it with the with the, the uniform thing. So I think he got the right guy for a facelift, so to speak. Now, when it comes to facilities, wasn't that long ago that when you said Nebraska was in their heyday? I mean, you had guys practicing, and you had the the South Stadium locker where there weren't any doors on the stalls if you had to go. Yeah. So yeah. there was a little bit of the the old throwback Rocky Balboa. Let's go to Apollo Creed's gym mystique to Nebraska, where you had to earn your way to the locker room that had doors on the stalls. So I don't know if, if new and shiny is always the best. It's cool. It helps attract recruits, but ultimately you need to win and get a certain type of kid in here that wants to to just go play ball depending on uh not no matter what the locker room what what how how cool the mahogany is in the locker room you know yep i i agree and you know it's you only have an x number of dollars mm-hmm. and i know they've done a lot to improve the fan experience mm-hmm. and the upgrades to the stadium because they're competing against uh you know, every, uh, Johnny's big screen TV in their basement. In their, it's a man uh, cave. It's the bar in the garage, exactly. you know? Yeah. So I understand that. But, um, you know, I think we're at a point in time where we've we've got to have something to uh, hang our hat on and the facilities and the, the uh, training tables and the weight rooms, stuff that really does impact how you play on the field and how you um, present yourself to – families walking in as recruits it, it it's the utmost important good stuff john appreciate you listening bud thanks so much four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five we'll get to some baseball in a moment more of your calls if you're there stay on the line we'll get you there and you can join in here on the facilities they're important and they are going to be bright and shiny and they'll absolutely gather and gain some interest it's important totally think so but ultimately nebraska's got to find and profile the kid that wants to be here develop said kid and go win on saturdays go beat purdue go beat illinois go beat minnesota go beat northwestern and nebraska as it sits right now on paper has dudes that are 
on paper is supposed to be doing that on Saturday. You're shaking your head, Damon, about the facilities. What's up? No, not about the facilities. I'm shaking my head about something completely unrelated over here. So Don't worry about what it. Happened? What happened? What happened? Oh, no, no. no. I was just uh, helping out a uh, listener figure out about ticket information. Uh, not a big deal at all. Okay. So you were, you were playing Huskers.com's job. That was very kind of you. Husker Baseball. Uh, Will Bolton crew are phenomenal. They're doing their thing. Rutgers this weekend. So uh, D1 Baseball has their latest projections out. And you've got three new teams that have uh, made their way into a regional site. Is Nebraska one of, the, one of those teams? Yes, they are, according to Kendall Rogers. Uh, you have uh, Aaron Fitt also. Aaron's a longtime friend we've been able to connect with over the years. Always great seeing him in the College World Series. Right now, Nebraska is in as a 16 seed. What I mean is a, a 16 national seed with what they're doing. So you have Lincoln as a regional site. When we talk about the projected field of 64, it's no longer Nebraska going to be the two seed in Fayetteville. Per Kendall Rogers, it is Nebraska hosting the site here at Haymarket. You've got Texas Tech who, as the two seed, UCLA as the three seed, and Wright State as the the four seed. So that's uh, that's good stuff. the uh, The first five out right now when it comes to the NCAA baseball tournament: Kentucky and Maryland, who LSU, Bama. And Georgia Southern, the last five in Indiana, San Diego, Tulane, NC State, and North Carolina. So as we look at the field right now, Iowa is now in as a three seed in that Fayetteville Regional. You have uh, scrolling here as I talk. (laughs) Michigan, a two seed. They're still a two seed in the South Bend Regional. Notre Dame, the five national seed. Indiana, a three seed right now in the Louisville Regional. Louisville, sorry. I I will hammer down Louisville. And uh, also, uh, that's it, man. That is your, your Big Ten representation right now. Indiana is one of the last few teams in. You've got Michigan as a two seed. You have Nebraska as a one seed. Ohio State's fallen off a bit and uh, still work to do. So Michigan, Indiana, Nebraska, you're three. So Nebraska getting some credit for what they've done and the fact they've cranked out seven straight series. It's not about really who they've beat, but the fact that they have beaten. We'll wind down this first hour. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, it's Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. And then it's Rick Kaczynski time. A couple of Ricks in hour two. Good stuff from Mitch Sherman this first hour. Reminder about your friends. From the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety, what are they telling you to do? Buckle up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska are not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Okay, so there is a final four 
apparently, for the Kansas job. We'll talk to Kaz a little bit here about the KU gig. You've got uh, Monkin uh, and uh, Leopold. Lance, of course, uh, longtime ties at UNO in, in, in Nebraska under Solich. He's been killing it wherever he's gone. He's at Buffalo, supposed to take him on week two or week three. And then Elko and Skip Holtz. Those are your four. And a decision could happen in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours per Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports. Dennis, a college football guy, and of course lives in Lawrence. I would run, dude. One, I I I would offer as much frozen snickers as human possible possible humanly possible to to get mangino back two if i'm one of these four that have interviewed and i know that i'm i'm at army or i'm at buffalo elko's i think uh d coordinator at at a&m and skip holtz is a guy that has really not had a chance to get to a power five and get another swing at it I'd run. I'd stay where I'm at. That's not me being afraid. That's me saying Kansas is garbage. Sorry. All they've done is is botch football hires since, well, since Charlie Weiss, quite honestly. You had a chance to hire Gary Barnett and you hired Fat Charlie. <laughs> Start drinking. All right. And I'm sure Mangino is not real easy to deal with. The guy won, and so you got hit on probation a little bit. It didn't it didn't ban you from any bowl games. His teams were good, and he just recruited the hell out of JUCOs. There's I said my piece. Give him a a a kind of a, a golf cart, so he doesn't have to move too much, and get him a, a case of frozen Snickers. It's a ruthless fat joke. I'm sorry. I'm 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 immature. Let's get you qualified now on ESPN's Memorial Day kickoff. All right, electrocution, wonderful. That's a grill. That's the sound of meat hitting a grill. Your caller nine now to qualify a Weber Spirit E210 gas grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, and a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Caller nine. Right now, 466-3776-466-3776. Toll-free, 800-825-5865. So, caller 9 qualifies right now with Hale Varsity, the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Grill, yes. Campbell's gift card, 100 bucks worth, yes. Gourmet grocer goodies from Leon's. worth, yes. Caller number nine, right now. Damon's working feverishly at getting caller nine. We'll do this again next hour. Promise you that. Your chance to qualify for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff, hour two. Rick Pizzo on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, we'll say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo on Twitter. Rick, it is draft week. Do you have that Lawrence Taylor or Carl Banks jersey on? Oh, man. LT was the guy as a Giants fan who really started watching in the early to mid-'80s. And i got to tell you, there's a ton of teams out there that are looking for game-changing talent. But it's funny. I think there's one or two linebackers, certainly Micah Parsons from Penn State's in that category. Right now, so much of the focus this year is on the quarterbacks. I know it is every year, but it seems like this year even more so. All the back and forth about Justin Fields and who Trey Lance is and whether he can be successful in the NFL. I think it's going to be fascinating to see how the quarterback shuffle plays out Thursday night. You know, I heard a, a story. Mac Jones is a guy that you can get different takes on. You're wowed by by what Bama did. I think he's going to end up at number three, Rick. I really do. If that happens, this this I mean, I saw one mock draft that had Fields falling all the way to the end of the first round. Can you imagine that? I think he's too good a baller to, to, to even fall out of the top ten. I think he is, in my estimation, too good to fall outside of the top ten. But I think there's a possibility it could happen for two reasons. You mentioned Mac Jones, and I think he is slowly starting to rise up a lot of draft boards because he is accurate. I mean, to me... You know, he comes out of the same conference as we started this conversation talking about Lawrence Taylor, a Giants legend. You'd say the same thing about Eli Manning, mm-hmm. a Giants legend who came out of the SEC playing at Old Miss. You know, Eli had his ups and downs in college, but he had a great pedigree and he was remarkably accurate. Now he got a little lazy late in his career after a bunch of success. But I think Mac Jones is kind of a slightly bigger, stronger version of that. And shoot, you tell somebody you're going to win a couple of Super Bowls when you draft the guy. Yeah, you take him at number three. And I think the second reason, you know, for Fields to be a little concerned is I think most teams probably had him spotted either right with or slightly above Trey Lance. But everybody loves to be the smartest guy in the room when it comes to the NFL draft. And Trey Lance is the guy that if you draft him, and he becomes a Josh Allen. He becomes a, a player who within two or three years can take you to the playoffs. You become the smartest guy in the room. And the last element of this is Justin Fields with the reveal of him battling epilepsy. Hasn't affected his football career. The geneticists say it is a juvenile form of epilepsy and like some of his um, family members will grow out of it as he gets older. But all those things put together, Chris, I got kind of a weird feeling I would take him in the top ten. I got a weird feeling he could be in the mid teens. Do you see Parsons sliding at all? It depends on what team is ready to pick when you get to that five, six, seven spot. Are you a quote unquote players coach who just wants guys that can fit any system and go and make plays? Or are you more of that kind of Bill Belichick, Sean Payton mode where you want guys who fit a specific, not just a system, but a specific mental approach and attitude to the game? Because that's the only question about Parsons is off the field, in the film room, when it's time to study, it's not just all about athleticism. So I think he is probably the best athlete, maybe along with Kyle Pitts. They're probably the two best athletes in this draft. I would be shocked if Parsons falls outside the top 10 only because, Chris, I think he is such an athletic freak that you could rely just on his physical tools and he's a guy who's going to have 90, 100 tackles for six, eight years in the NFL. You know, I look at Parsons, and I think he's too good a fit for Denver with their defense. Denver always finds a way to plug in 
whether they're getting yeah, Von Miller, right? I mean, at number nine, I think I think Denver could pull the trigger on Parsons, and, and it'd be perfect, you know. Uh, Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick, uh, I'm going to focus on some Nebraska guys real quick. You know, are you hearing much on, on uh, Hymas and Farniak? Yes, I think they'll go. But I've heard as early as is you know third round for for Hymas. Have you yeah. heard anything different, or are you about on that same radar? No, kind of in that same radar. Like you know, you could potentially go early three, but anytime that you're in that range, there are so many factors that go into it that you could go middle three, you could go late three, you could go early four. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he is clearly the guy that's going to be the first guy taken. He's the guy that we're hearing that conversation about again i think it comes down to fit i do think though when you are a lineman in the world of football today and and what are these quarterbacks getting paid i mean 18 20 million dollars a year and you got a franchise tag people and you see how franchises just go in the tank if their quarterback gets hurt and you got to have a run game as well so listen i think the value is starting to go away from running backs and starting to go away from linebackers a little bit it's going to offensive linemen it's going to corners and i think that maybe hymas is a guy who can benefit a little bit from that boodle's a guy because of his speed uh kind of wowed some folks he did well at nebraska's pro day i think he moved from a an undrafted free agent possibly to being drafted and you've seen a lot of the caprio boodle over two coaching staffs what obviously the speed's there but but what else has impressed you about decap here at his career at nebraska yeah, I think, Chris, that he is a guy who will get drafted because I think that when you get past, I think, unfortunately, when you are going to be a later-round guy, listen, these scouts do a ton of work. The NFL coaches and GMs do a ton of work. They can't watch every minute of every guy, right? So they do have to focus a little bit on stats until they can start to see some measurables during pro day. And during his career, the Nebraska defense as a whole wasn't very good, right? So you start to focus on some of the numbers, and you look at the passing numbers that some of the best teams put up, that Ohio State put up against Nebraska. And the coaches go, well, man, he's supposed to be their guy back there, really? Like, But then you start to actually look at the body of work, and you start to look at those measurables. I remember watching a game, I can't remember if it was in 2020 or 2019 against Purdue, where Nebraska's defense just really locked down and I think did a terrific job against David Bell and a couple of outstanding wide receivers from Purdue. And, and I think if you watch that tape as a scout or a GM, you're thinking to yourself, okay, here's a guy that we can get, especially if we get him in round five, round six, round seven, toward the end of the draft, and suddenly he becomes a plug-and-play guy, even if he becomes a nickel or a dime guy for us. He was a sixth or seventh round pick. So much like the offensive lineman that I mentioned before, I think that position is more valuable. And that's why I think added to that with his measurables, I think Budo's a guy that does get to hear his name called. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network at BTN. Rick Pizzo. Rick going to switch over to the Nebraska spring game. And uh, what, what, if you're a Nebraska fan, what do you want to see on Saturday here as, you know what, the sunshine will be out. There'll be butts in the seats. It's going to be a return to, to normalcy, which is awesome. But uh, you want to see that product on the field. And, yes, it's a spring game. But, yeah, it's it's also, a, you know, a live game for the first time since Iowa made you cry. I'm not downplaying the importance of spring games because I think some of them really are. But I think in 2021, it's about getting into the stadium. It's about getting fans inside the stadium. And it's about making sure your best players don't get hurt. And I seriously mean that because none of these teams had spring ball in 2020. These teams had the most 
strange season that they have ever experienced. Every single player in the fall of 2020 had no idea what was going on. At some points with the new Championship League format, right? Nebraska doesn't know who they're going to play or where they're going to play until six days beforehand Mm -hmm. at the end of the year where they play Rutgers. Uh, I mean, so, uh, and with the transfer portal now and so many players being gone, I don't even think it's a matter of do you want to see efficiency? Do you want to see a pass game? Do you want to see a run game? Sure, you want to find out who's going to be the next Wandale, who's the guy that can break some plays, who can help Adrian back there. But I'm serious, Chris. It's getting out there. Hopefully the weather is good. The Husker faithful will be there. You know they will be so excited to be back. That, to me, is what spring 2021 is all about. You know, we've made a lot about Adrian and kind of how he looks and how he's moving this spring. And we had a chance a couple weeks ago to see an open practice. And he has leaned up. He's thinned down. And he is uh, exquisitely quick compared to the body types we've seen. And you've covered football a long time. A guy can, can find himself in his career and I think Adrian's pretty comfortable right now, Rick, with, with where he's at weight-wise and where he's at in his career. And, yeah, there's a chip on his shoulder. But I think that with the ups and downs, you could see a, a new and improved Adrian or something that resembles the, uh, the ability from that freshman year where he's finally 100% healthy. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's an interesting situation to watch, an interesting development with Adrian Martinez because – you go back a couple of years his freshman year, and he was outstanding, and all the stuff that's happened since, mm-hmm. and the injuries, and the back and forth, and the battles. And I think to Michigan State and quarterback Brian Lewerke, who two years ago, right, his sophomore season, set all sorts of Michigan State records. Then he got banged up a little bit, and there were people calling for his job, and Michigan State was like Nebraska. They were kind of in the middle of the pack. He was never able to kind of get back to being that guy because he was a guy that used both his legs and his arm. If Adrian can stay healthy and become that guy again, because Chris, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he was that guy over the last period that we watched Mm -hmm. because he was always a little bit banged up. I don't think he felt as comfortable running the football, putting his body in harm's way and then threatening with the run, but throwing the ball. He wasn't that guy like he was his freshman year because I think those injuries were maybe nagging him a little bit more. If healthy, I think that maybe he's able to do exactly what Lewerke wasn't. And if he is, then yes, we see the return to those freshman year numbers, but with fewer mistakes. Then Nebraska is a team that goes to the postseason. But again, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Adrian Martinez, maybe even more so than ever before, because now he knows this is his team. And I think success or failure this year, from the outside at least, is going to be based on what Adrian Martinez provides. Rick Pizzo's with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Rick, uh, on the cover of our new issue of Hale Varsity Magazine is Kate Smith. You had a chance to be on site and see her do her thing. Brother, I, I got to be honest with you. I had no idea that that score, her final round, 64, 8 under, 8 birdies, no bogeys. I asked her after the round, I said, was it... Was was it an easy eight under? Was it? Did you make a ton of putts? She said, no, I didn't really make a ton of putts. I hit a lot of greens. I said, how many greens do you think you hit? And she said she thought she hit 15 or 16, but then hit two fringes as well. She wanted to wow. talk about a ball striking ground. Man, I walked this course. It is a hard tee to green golf course. When she teed off, it was about 58 degrees with a 20-mile-an-hour wind. And she shot 64. The best round all week before her 64 was 67. I got to tell you, that was an absolute pro LPGA quality round. And by the way, she actually won an exemption 
into the LPGA's theater tour, the Symmetra tour event that's played at that same course. Man, she shoots a couple more 64. She's going to find herself atop the leaderboard with a bunch of pros. That is impressive. And you look at Kate and her story and her confidence and being able to go to Augusta uh, a few weeks back and then carrying it forward. And what a, what a nice kind of resurgence for, for the Nebraska golf team with where they were able to place, Rick, you know, the first time in a while. Yeah, and they came back all the way on that final day that's finishing a three-way tie for second. Uh, you know, Alice Dewan also played a terrific tournament alongside Kate Smith. I mean, Kate starts the day four back of the individual lead and then shoots that eight under to, to finish a couple of shots clear of the field. I, I asked her about the experience at Augusta and, you know, just missing out on getting the chance to play the national in the final round, losing out in that five-for-one playoff that she thought that that was going to be the absolute highlight of her college career, but that these championships, the way the team played, the way the team played, even made it better, that, that it has made this spring 2021 so special. She was awesome in her post-round interview. You know, we'll broadcast the tournament a little bit later, mm-hmm. debut airing is May 14th on Big Ten Network. But I got to tell you, it was so much fun to watch live in person and just so impressive. She's awesome and good for her. And thanks for your guys' coverage at BTN with uh, the, the, the golf uh, in the Big Ten region. And, and what a job by Kate Smith. Uh, Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick, we'll get you out of here on this. And this uh, this team has been burned into my mind for a long time as a kid. A, because they they vanquished the Red Sox and Rocket Clemens in 86, but you got a 30 for 30 coming up here on those 86 Mets once upon a time in Queens. And uh, I'm uh, yay or nay on the 86 Mets. Were you a Mets guy? I wasn't a Mets guy, but at that point, we were, I was only a couple of years removed from living in New York. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and as a Yankees fan, I mean, you root for the Yankees, number one, and then number two, you root against the Red Sox, and everything else is just filler. <laughs> so, you know, that was an awesome experience. The only thing that would have been better is if the Yankees had been able to keep the Red Sox from getting there. But I think it's one of those moments, right, I say, alongside uh, Leitner shot mm-hmm. to beat Kentucky, uh, alongside the U.S. over Russia in the 1980 Olympics uh, in ice hockey. Mm-hmm. That's one of those moments where you just remember where you were, Dale Earnhardt dying at Daytona. You know, mm-hmm. they're one of those sporting moments that is just kind of burned into most people's minds. I mean, when the ball goes through Buckner's legs, everybody remembers that, right? Mm-hmm. You say Bill Buckner and they have one memory. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I was rooting for the Mets really just because I was rooting against the Red Sox. That that cast of characters on that team, I mean, my goodness, between Straw and Gooden and Keith Hernandez and Kevin Mitchell, you know, before he goes to San Fran with an MVP season and then Lenny Dykstra. I mean, what what a what a what a scouting job and what a what a roster build. You know, when you look at the early 80s to, to that 86 championship team, a lot of homegrown talent. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of the sad thing about baseball, man. You don't see that much anymore, right? I mean, there's a couple of teams that still tap into their farm system, but for the most part right now, it's all about free agency mm-hmm. and who can spend the money. And it's it's too bad because you don't end up – you know, my favorite Yankees uh, generation was you have Jeter, you have – Pettit, you have Rivera, you have Jorge Posada, all these guys coming up through the farm system. You know, we saw some of them in Greensboro, North Carolina, playing for the 
Greensboro Bats back in the days. They all came up together. They they made that franchise for that period from the late 90s through the mid-2000s what it was. And I, unfortunately, teams just don't build their farm systems like that anymore. A lot of teams build their farm systems so they can trade their prospects for established players. And I think it's a, I think it's kind of a negative trend in, in baseball. Rick Pizzo. Rick, we'll get caught up again. Good stuff. Thanks so much for the time. Schmitty, always good to chat, man. Have a good week. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to catch up with Rick Kaczynski, longtime coach in Nebraska and Iowa. Our chat Tuesdays with Kaz. Kaz, what do you know? How's the road? Pretty good, man. So just uh, just came back from... Uh, from Myrtle Beach had a little convention there, so we uh, we bring uh, bring some guests with us to help entertain clients. So we had Coach Danny Ford, um, George Rogers, and Connor Shaw, quarterback from South Carolina. So it was a uh, was good time entertaining clients and just uh, in, in in recovery mode right now, just getting back. I imagine Danny Ford has a story or two on the recruiting trail. Uh, Dan- Danny's the best. I, I mean, it's really, it's really a shame that that he didn't coach after uh, Arkansas. He got a little bit railroaded down there, and uh, I mean, but that guy, he's a legend. I mean, Clemson, he's still beloved in the state. Obviously, beloved in Clemson, he's a legend. You know, played for the Bear. He was telling, he was, he was telling Coach Bryant stories last night, telling some recruiting stories, and you know, sheriffs. Sheriff's Department, State Trooper, stopping Herschel Walker on the uh, South Carolina Georgia border. I mean, you know, it's just it was a wild, wild west back then. But uh, I mean, you know, he, uh, but you know, Danny, Coach Ford, really, really smart guy, really great guy. Loves the state of South Carolina. Was smart enough to uh, you know keep Clemson in the ACC, where you can roll the ball out, win win nine games without. Uh, without breaking a sweat every year and you know he'll and he'll tell you that but man just just listen to that guy and the knowledge he has and the stories and worth worth the price of admission and just a just a great guy but he, he has a hemp farm now really so he's sending sending hemp all over sending hemp all over the the country but just a just a regular dude that likes football and and budweiser but, uh, that may have helped yeah, with recruiting in the 80s. <laughs> no, I tell you, what helped with recruiting is you know, just the way he can communicate with people. I mean, he, you, you, talk, you talk to the old high school coaches about the Clemson uh, coaches clinic. I mean, Coach, Coach Ford had him out to his place, barbecue, kegs, drinking beer, telling stories. I mean, he took care of those guys. And, uh, you know, he made some inroads also at, uh, up north. Mm. Yeah, he was one of the first coaches down here. Start going up north, getting some good players, getting those kids out of out of Maryland and Pennsylvania and that East Coast, getting them down here that warm weather and and uh, yeah. But it was it was funny. He was it was uh, he was telling a story about Coach Bryant. He said Coach Ford was on uh, on Alabama's first team to lose to Vanderbilt in sixty years. I believe it was nineteen sixty nine and. <laughs> He said they always come in after the games, winning, winning, win or loss, and not uh, not many losses. But they do the Lord's prayer. <laughs> he goes, I'll never forget the prayer after the Vandy Vandy game. He said, he said, old bear said, dear Lord. He goes, 
please let this game help us help us be a building block. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he did. Coach Ford said, "Oh, Monday, it was a it was a building block. We start building Monday, so uh, it was pretty pretty cool." And you know, Coach Ford's wife. Uh, or Coach uh, Coach Bryant's wife always traveled with the team, but he put her on the different plane. So she was she was on the second plane. But mm. you know, just amazing talking to a guy that that played for the Bear and you know coached at Clemson. You know, we talked about the you know national championship game basically when they played Nebraska. So just uh, you know, not many guys like that around from that era when uh, it was a really good game. It was a really good really good time to be in college football and coaching. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, and think about Danny Ford, man. He was so young when he got the head job at Clemson and mm-hmm. did really well there, and I know he has ties to Coach Holtz, obviously, and uh, the 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 story about Herschel Walker, though, with the uh, the, the, the visit uh, from Georgia to, that was supposed to happen for an official to South Carolina and the uh, State Patrol to Georgia. Don't know if it was Buford T. Justice or who, but it uh, it didn't happen. Is what is, is how oh, yeah. I understand. I it. mean, literally, they they stopped him on the state line. They would not let him. They would not let him in. And I'm I'm sure that Georgia Bulldogs had a little bit bigger briefcase than the Clemson Tigers. So I think I think old Clemson got got outbid. So, <laughs> I think. I think that briefcase had a little bit more with Herschel staying in state. Herschel was making more. I mean, I've heard people say this. Uh, Herschel was making more than the coaches on the staff there. But uh, wow, yeah. I, the, the old yeah. joke is Eric Dickerson taking a pay cut when he went to the Rams, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, just a just a just a different time. Kaz, I got to ask you when it comes to recruiting. Uh, the 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 official visit or the unofficial visit it's so important for for a prospect the kid you get in to spend time with uh, guys that are going to be his teammates and you'll have a player host and and how vital was that not only to have uh, a guy that that could host potential uh, recruits but also provide like just pinpoint info that a kid will will share with another peer versus all right, I'm around adults, I'm around coaches, you're going to have a difference. Likely you'll have a difference in behavior. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think that was, that was critical. You tried to pair up guys that had things, things in common, and mm-hmm. uh, you tried to pair up guys from different, you know, you sim- nobody has the same exact background, but you tried to pair up guys with, with similar backgrounds. And, and quite frankly, tried to pair up guys with your with your best players. Mm-hmm. You know, they that, those those were the guys that were on official visits. That those were the guys who they knew, right? And um, you know, talk of, kind of about their kind of about their journey. That's why you know, we we would have it was great having kids in on official visits for games. But you know, it's great to see the stadium, all that. But what would hurt us? That was normally these kids' first visit. And, you know, by the time they're making the decision, they've been to three or four places and they forgot about the visit, you know. So you know, it was really, really critical to, in my opinion, to, to recruit your backyard or a kid with some type of tie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was kids that, that loved Malik Collins. Like they loved watching him play. They, they compared themselves to him. So you'd bring guys in, okay, this is, this is the type of guy. Hey, Malik, get with this guy. Talk to him about 
you know, I mean, quite frank, I, I'm a I'm a white middle aged dude from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. walking around Lincoln, Nebraska. I used to tell, I say, hey man, I, I I can't tell you what it's like being a student athlete at Nebraska. I can tell you what it's like to coach, but I can't I can't tell you what it's like to play. I can't tell you what it's like to go to class. I can't I can't tell you what it's like downtown and in the dorm or an apartment. So. So those are the things. I mean, you, you, you kind of sell what you can do for people. You sell the program. You sell, hey, uh, all those other things that come along with being on the field. But you still, you gotta, you got to get guys to educate kids on what it's going to be like when they come there. And not every, not every place is perfect, and kids can, kids can see through that. And, you know, we would set up panels with just the parents and the coaches and say, okay, here's, here's some of the issues we've dealt with in the past. Here's some of the things we're trying to do to fix those things. Um, just like everything else, you go buy a new car, you know, it's, it sounds great until the, that first payment comes. <laughs> so you, you want to make people aware of, hey, we're not perfect. Here's some of the issues that these guys face. Here's some of the things that kids face that, that come from California, come from Florida the homesickness, all those things. These are some of the things we try to do in place for that transition. You know, we had a portal with the parents, you know, where we would update them on on injuries. It was like a Facebook with just the coaches, the trainers, and the players where, you know, kids aren't – you know, I didn't call my dad when I was 18 and tell him everything that was going on at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. My coaches knew a hell of a lot more that was going on, so – yeah, well, we did. We set some some things up at Nebraska to to keep the the parents involved. Like, hey, hey, Joe, we sprained his, his ankle today, but he's going to be fine. He's probably not going to tell you. Just want to keep you in the loop. Mm-hmm. So, it's obviously it's obviously critical, and and that's why Shmi, I think it's really important that you know who you're recruiting. You're recruiting kid. You're recruiting kids that you know you got a chance with. You know, quite quite frankly, I mean, there's 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 guys I'd walk into schools and they'd have an Oklahoma offer, they'd have this offer and all that. I'm not I'm not recruiting them. We're not going to get them. Okay, that that I would would I like to have them? Yeah, but it's also realistic. I knew who we were able to get. I knew that the type of guy that I thought I could develop, and I thought, okay, this is the type of guy who we have similar players that can rate relate to this kid, take him under the wing, and develop him not just in the on the field, but mm-hmm. you know, in the classroom, in the social life, all those things. So, you know, there's no perfect science science to it. That that that's obvious. You obviously want to get everybody wants great players. The the diff, the problem is is Alabama's the only one who 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 picks and chooses who they want. And um, everybody else, man, it's a crapshoot. You look at the NFL. I mean they they have they they have millions and millions of dollars invested in people trying to figure out if these guys are going to have successful NFL careers and they, they miss all the time. So no perfect science mm-hmm. to it, but you know, it's, it was an easy sell getting kids to come visit Nebraska. You get them for a home game and it was great. The, the hard part was just kind of keeping that interest while they went and visited three, four schools after, after leaving Lincoln. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, our Tuesday chat with Kaz. Kaz, how uh, how huge was the spring game when it came to that recruiting element? And, and also, how much weight did you put on the spring game when it came to evaluations of kids? Uh, you know, I, I think you're talking the, the, the players that you were coaching. Right, you had the evaluation with yeah. the kids on the field yeah. and then, then the, the recruiting oh, yeah. element of, of, the, of the spring well, game. 
Well, I think when you when you're looking at the spring, by the time you get to the spring, you know the the spring game's the pageant, right? I mean, yeah. All the work's been done. You got a pretty good idea um, of of what you got. Uh, yeah, I always say, give me give me 15 practices, or you know, basically you, you got about really, in all honesty, you got about 12 good work days in the spring with the acclimation practices and helmets or helmets and shoulder pads, and then the spring game. So you're getting about 12 days. And then you know, 28 days of camp. Give me 40 days, and I can. I think. I think I can make somebody, somebody a pretty good defense mm-hmm. alignment. So you come out of that. There's obviously still work to do. What what what's good about the spring game is you know the guys who've played for you, the guys that you're counting on, the guys who are veterans. You know what you're evaluating is things that they can do better. You know it's kind of that algebra two. Okay, mm-hmm. listen, all right you. Nobody masters their craft, but I think I think these are some things you can add to your game. And they're around long enough. This is the thing, you know, come May, come June, July, these are the things that I want to see you working. So you come out of spring ball with your veterans, with your guys that played a lot of snaps, and you give them things, you give them goals, you give them things to work on during that May semester, during that summer. This is what I'm expecting from you when we hit the ground running come fall camp. More with Kaz. Hail Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Right through a Tuesday with Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with Coach Rick Kaczynski when it comes to the spring game and also that KU gig that's open. And then what you learn is just, you know, kind of about your, about your new guys, you know, kids who get red-shirted, kids that don't play a lot. I mean, really, after you see them during fall camp for about, you know, five to seven practices and pads, they go down to the scout team. You're not even coaching them. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's basically, you know, those guys are new pups, man. You're, 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 you're training them all over. They're not in your meetings. You're just trying they're – not, they're not in your individual. You know, they are – they're blocking dummies. So what you're, you get them back, and now, okay, guy, you're, you're reach, teaching them, this is how we do things. These are the expectations. This is what I'm, this is what I'm looking for out of you this spring. I, I'm not expecting you to be an all-Big Ten defensive end or defensive tackle. What I'm expecting you to do is, is get in a good stance, give yourself an opportunity to compete, um, learn this amount of defense, not the whole playbook, this amount of defense. That, that's it, where, where we feel comfortable, where we can put you in the game. So it's different evaluations for different guys. And if you have a guy out there that's athletic and freaky, right, then you, you, know, you, might, you might take a little bit more time with that guy individually than other guys that you're not counting on. So I think when you're looking at the evaluation process of the, of the spring in the spring game, you can throw the spring game out. You know, everybody's, hey, their girlfriends, parents, you, you're thinking about, you know, where are we going to eat after the game and who's having the party that night. So uh, the spring game, you know, that's for the fans. It's for the coaches. Hey, it's, it's just one more step in the, in the process of the, of the regiment of, okay, you know, the next step with your team. So, yeah, it's, it's something you want to come out of feeling good about yourself. So that's how the, the spring game is kind of designed. But, yeah, you those 12 good hard days of practice, man, you, you got a pretty good idea coming out of there who's going to help you win come, come in the fall. Rick so, Kaczynski's with us. That's the way I always looked at it. 
Kaz, a thought on on a job to to the south that's open, and there's a, a few candidates down there for the KU gig. What what's in the coaching circles? What's what's the take on the KU job? And I know Les Miles just left there, and that wasn't uh, the best departure for him. Uh, that said, uh, you know it's been a long time since Mangino took them to unforeseen heights. We're talking 07. So my question to you is, uh, if you're a coach, how appealing is that gig? Is it is it too hard of a gig? Is it let's bring it on, let's bring on that challenge? How, how do coaches view that job in that conference? Uh, you know, it's obviously it's obviously a tough job because one, it's it's a basketball school, mm-hmm. uh, as we all know. Uh, but but I think people look at Lawrence as it's a it's a pretty good city where you can recruit to. Uh, I went down there when quarterback I played with Ron Palace was coaching there. I went to a hoop game, and I, I couldn't believe how how cool and nice of a town Lawrence was, mm-hmm. and how close it was to Kansas City. So with the you know with the Jayhawk League, with the access to junior colleges, with the access the proximity to Kansas City. And really, using basketball and the campus to sell kids. I mean, I I, I know I know coaches that um, that I talk to. They you know they're not you're not going to get an established head coach to go there, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, Bo had that opportunity in 2014 to go there, and you know he's like, I'm not going to go there and get my ass kicked, you know. So <laughs> and and I don't blame him, but you know, I, I think a lot of coaches look at it like, okay, you're going to go there one. Um, the expectations are extremely low, you know, and so what that means is they're going to give you money and they're going to give you time to build it, right? So so that's what makes that, that's what kind of romanticizes that job a little bit. I think guys go in there and saying, okay, hey, I'm going to have time, I'm going to have money, and the expectations are really low, which is going to give me an opportunity to build it my way, in the right way, and I'm close to Kansas City, and I got to do. I got junior college kids. That's how you're going to have to. That's what you. That's how you're going to mm-hmm. have to do it. That's how Kansas State did it, and that's how Mangino did it. And um, you know, it just goes back to you know talking to somebody this morning. I mean, it's it's amazing how administrators are great at screwing football programs up. I mean, you know, Mangino, whatever. I mean, they they haven't done anything anything since that guy was there i mean it's really it's really an embarrassment but it's it's going to be a hard job it's always going to be a hard job but you know with the junior colleges there the town you actually use basketball to help recruit Mm -hmm. football i i just don't i don't i don't understand why you you can't you can't get to a bowl game there every every three or four years i don't understand why you can't win six games there uh, winning your out of conference games, and if you look at them, Schmitty, over the last decade, look at look at their losses. I mean, they you know they've lost to one double A schools, they've lost to MAC schools, you know they they they've lost to small ball schools, and you know that 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 should that shouldn't happen. That should never happen at a uh, Power Five school. Rick Kaczynski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Kaz, that's great perspective on that. I didn't know Bo had an opportunity to go to Lawrence in fourteen. But uh, I know that they've been through a, a lot of coaches, and, and you're a thousand percent on. You know, you get uh, the wrong administration with their hands on a football program; it's it's a hand grenade, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Kaz, we will do this again next uh, Tuesday. We'll chat some some spring ball thoughts and some NFL draft stuff. You uh, be good and, and keep enjoying that South Carolina sunshine. Will do, brother. Best to you, my man. Thanks for having me on. Got to love Kaz. Good thoughts, good thoughts there on uh, Kansas, and we'll see if they make their call tomorrow, if it is Lance Leopold, and he uh, departs Buffalo for KU. Let's qualify you again for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff. Again, that is meat on a, a grill, and what you can uh, qualify for, we'll do the drawing here on May 20th, the Weber Spirit E210 gas grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, a $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Centers, and uh, your friends at Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Some meat for that grill, a $100 gift card. We'll take caller nine right now. Qualifies for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff, 466 3776 466 76 one 5865 Caller 9 qualifies now for that Weber E210 gas grill from Capital Patio and the Flame Shop, Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, $100 gift card, and a $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Caller 9, you qualify. We'll do that drawing on May 20th. Some news on the trade front in the NFL. Is Julio Jones getting shipped out of ATL? We'll uh, answer that question. There's some thoughts. There's some feelers out. Who are some prospective teams that uh, could make sense for Atlanta? And if you're Atlanta, do you get rid of Julio? 33 years young. They traded a whole boatload to uh, to to go get Julio. But uh, that was your your cornerstone for Saban when he took over the Bama program. Julio Jones, the number one player in the country at wideout overall, and uh, he ended up at Alabama. What a unique size and speed combo for Julio at six three two twenty. Great career in Atlanta, and uh, we'll see if Atlanta may be trying to trade him, get some uh, additional picks in that first round. We'll wind down our two here. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Scott got dialed in. Scott qualified for the ESPN Memorial Day kickoff, that Weber Grill, that $100 gift card to Campbell's Nursery and Garden Center, the $100 gift card to Leon's Gourmet Grocer. Gets you about a 50-inch thick steak to throw on the old grill. Good luck to you, Scott. Good luck to all of the qualifiers. More chances tomorrow on the morning hookup with Hooks and Willie J. And, uh, of course, tomorrow, uh, more chances for you on Hale Varsity. You can also log on ESPNLincoln.com and uh, throw your name in the hat there. So uh, you have Julio Jones in Atlanta putting some feelers out. Also, New England here offering Stefan Gilmore to try and move into the top 10. We'll see Ian Fitzsimmons will be with us tomorrow. He's part of the ESPN Radio draft coverage uh, rounds one through seven, and uh, things get kicked off Thursday night as soon as we are done 
at 6 with the NFL Draft on ESPN Radio. So excited to have Ian Fitzsimmons tomorrow, Mike Babcock tomorrow. We'll check in with Mike Shuhart and plenty of spring football thoughts. And longtime uh, part of ESPN and uh, NFL coverage, Trey Wingo with us on Thursday. Get his take on this year's draft. Gary Barnett checks in, and we'll see if that uh, free fall of Justin Fields is imagined or accurate as more uh, mock drafts come out here just ahead. So, Damon Barr, what is on the agenda tonight? What's for dinner, Damon? You know, as as we're getting closer to moving here into a new place, I'm finding the fridge is emptier and emptier. So it's takeout time. I'm going a little breakfast for dinner tonight, actually. Uh, Some eggs, bacon. I'll maybe try my hand at an omelet. I'm not that skilled with the, the pan, but we'll see how that goes. Maybe ham, bacon, a little sausage in there. As long as she's not hitting you with said pan, <laughs> uh, that is a win for Damon Barr. Box wine tonight with the breakfast? Uh, I'm thinking... Uh, Are you doing an orange or a red beer? Maybe more, a bloody. It's, it's more of a little rum night as I finish out the semester, Chris. Uh, <laughs> projects and tests, and uh, tonight's my, my night away. So Damon Barr says Tuesdays are his rum night. Good to know, because he is the connoisseur of rum. And you, uh, I know a few people that would give you a run for your money on rum consumption, but I think you're you're, you're a, at least a three seed in the people I know. Well, that's, that makes me very proud. <laughs> and you still got years to practice. Exactly. So what are you worried about with the omelet? Just, I mean, it's an omelet. It's all yeah, good. Construction mostly. I don't want it falling apart, you know. So are you a guy that... that what 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 are you putting in your omelet? I, I like a little bit of you know bacon, those little ham cube things right. you throw in a salad. Money, um, we got. I don't know if I'm gonna like make some sausage. We have summer sausage. I don't know if that's a crime to cut that up and throw it in. I but. think you just kind of chop that up and leave it on a plate. <laughs> exactly. To the side. You can do what exactly. you want with it. But my thing is, is while the while you you crack the eggs. Get them going, and then you sprinkle your goodies in, and then you just you just flip. Close it up, and you just it's close that easy, it up, huh? and then you just then you just flip it again. I still get nervous on a fried egg, so we'll see how it goes. Oh wow, well, fried eggs are undefeated. Tomorrow, back at you with Hale Varsity. Good good stuff from Coach Rick Kaczynski today. Rick Pizzo, Mitch Sherbin, podcast. Give us a rating, give us a thought. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio.